0: Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. After the sermon, we'll sing hymn 16, 1, 4, and 5. Dear Congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm sure this text is familiar to you. In fact, it's also quoted in the New Testament in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1, within the context of the birth of Jesus Christ. But this morning we also need to remember that this particular text has its own context within the book of Isaiah. And that context means that this is a two-sided text. We, of course, associate it with Christmas and the good news of the birth of Jesus Christ, but it's a two-sided text. On the one hand, it holds out tremendous hope. This is about a child named Emmanuel, And Emmanuel, as you know, means God with us. That's tremendously comforting to know that God is with us. On the other hand, the text also speaks about punishment. The context is also about punishment because in the days of Ahaz, as well as in the days of Christ, as well as today, People need to embrace in faith the message of God. And if we don't embrace in faith the message of God, there's no hope. God isn't with us. Anyways, we're going to look at all of that this morning as I proclaim God's word to you under this theme, and behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. And we will know two things. This is a sign pointing to destruction, and this is a sign pointing to salvation. So what was the context of Isaiah chapter 7? Well, Judah was in a very precarious situation. We read at the beginning of the chapter that Rezin, the king of Syria, as well as Pekah, the king of Israel, had come up against Judah. 120,000 people of Judah had been killed in one day, among whom was also the son of King Ahaz. 200,000 people had been carried away as captives. And they were going to try again. They wanted to come up against Jerusalem and take it. And as we could read in Isaiah 7, they were filled with fear in Jerusalem, so much so that they were trembling as trees shake in the wind. Now, why was this? Because Judah was not serving God. They were serving the Baals. And King Ahaz himself led the way. He even sacrificed some of his sons on the altar to the Baals. And so, Judah was experiencing the anger of the Lord as the Lord allowed these nations to rise up against it. But then the Lord sent Isaiah to talk to King Ahaz. Ahaz was inspecting the water supply, the infrastructure of the city of Jerusalem because he was afraid of an attack, And it was there that Isaiah was supposed to meet Ahaz. And the Lord told Ahaz, the Lord told Isaiah to tell Ahaz that these two smoldering stumps of firebrands would not prevail against Jerusalem. It's very beautiful imagery. Imagine yourself at a campfire and you've got the logs on the fire and they become smaller and smaller they're just burning out well said God those two nations are going to burn out and the Lord also told Isaiah to say to Ahaz it shall not stand and it shall not come to pass their plan to take Jerusalem would not happen and Isaiah said this with authority because he said thus says the Lord God In other words, Ahaz was supposed to receive this in faith. And we even read that he said, If you are not firm in faith, you will not be firm at all. In other words, if you don't believe, you won't be established. And then the Lord wanted to help Ahaz. He said, Ask me for a sign. Let me show you that I'm for real. That you can count on me. That you can build your life on me. And that you know that your future is secure. Ask me for a sign. That was actually very remarkable. The Lord was offering a sign. All Ahaz had to do was ask for anything. It could be as high as heaven, said the Lord. Or as deep as Sheol. The Lord didn't want to let go of his people. They had become unfaithful, but they were still his people. And the Lord wanted to be with them, and the Lord wanted to rescue them. He reached out to them. As unfaithful as they were, the Lord didn't want to give up on them. And that's true today too, brothers and sisters. When God's people stray from him, The Lord reaches out. He reaches out with his extended hands and he says, now take a hold of my hands. Believe in me and trust your life to me. Maybe you have relatives, children, grandchildren, siblings who have strayed from the service of the Lord and you're worried about them. But the Lord doesn't want to let people go He reaches out to his covenant children and the appeal of the gospel is always to believe in God to take a hold of his hands so what would Ahaz do? what would Judah do? would they take a hold of God? would they return to God? well we read it this morning Ahaz said I'm not gonna ask the Lord for a sign I shouldn't do that, because the Bible says in Deuteronomy 6 verse 16, I'm not supposed to test the Lord God. It sounded so pious, he even reached for a word of scripture to undergird what he was saying, but the real issue was that Ahaz didn't believe a word of what the Lord was saying. He wasn't interested in a sign, he wasn't interested in the Lord. He had already decided in his heart of hearts that he was going to find his own solution. He didn't need the Lord. He was going to save the day himself. He was already planning to go after the Assyrians. You can read that in 2 Kings and 2 Chronicles. He was going to make a deal with the devil. To use a term that we sometimes use, he was going to make a deal with the devil. And he was going to look to Assyria, the superpower rescue him now today too, small nations reach out to superpowers for protection nothing wrong with that today but Israel was not supposed to do that God's people Judah were not supposed to do that they were supposed to trust in the Lord and not to look to the superpowers of the world you know sometimes It's said today that when a crisis comes, people will turn to the Lord. Well, the crisis came to Judah, but Ahaz did not turn to the Lord. And very often today, people don't turn to the Lord either. Pride gets in the way, ego gets in the way, people want to hold on tenaciously to the position that they've taken. They'll take care of themselves themselves. That's how it was then, too. And today, too, it's possible to reject the word of God or parts of the word of God with a word of Scripture. And it sounds so pious, but in the meantime, we're rejecting the Lord. And then Isaiah said to Ahaz that the Lord himself would give Ahaz a sign. If Ahaz wasn't going to ask for a sign, the Lord was going to give him a sign. But I want you to notice that the language has suddenly changed. In verse 11, we read, ask the Lord your God for a sign. Your God. In verse 13, Ahaz says, why are you wearying my God? My God. First it was your God, now it's my God. In other words, because Ahaz had rejected the Lord, the Lord was rejecting Ahaz. And that's why this is a sign pointing to destruction. THE LORD HIMSELF WOULD GIVE A SIGN. A VIRGIN WOULD CONCEIVE AND BEAR A SON AND CALL HIS NAME EMMANUEL. NOW OF COURSE AS I SAID WE ARE SO FAMILIAR WITH THIS TEXT THAT IN OUR MINDS WE PROBABLY IMMEDIATELY JUMP TO THE NEW TESTAMENT AND SAY OH THAT'S ABOUT CHRIST. AND YES IT IS BUT IT'S NOT ONLY ABOUT THAT. This was a sign for Ahaz in the context of his time. This was not just about the distant future when the Son of God would come, born in the flesh. This was a sign for Ahaz in his day to underline the words of the Lord. The Lord was giving Ahaz a sign to underline that Syria and Ephraim would not come up against Jerusalem and defeat it. And then you might ask, well, who was this virgin? Well, we are not told her name. But she is somewhat defined because the text says, the virgin, it doesn't say a virgin, it says the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and call his name Emmanuel. So evidently this was someone known to Isaiah and Ahaz, the virgin. They knew who she was. And what about the fact that she is called a virgin? This does not mean that the child to be born in the time of Ahaz and Isaiah was born in a miraculous way without the involvement of a man it doesn't mean that it does not say that this woman would give birth to a child as a virgin all it says is the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and it's like what happens today when a young couple gets married and if all things are as they should be then. A virgin gets married, conceives, and bears a child. The virgin shall conceive and bear a son. It was a sign for Ahaz in his day. And the Lord said, look, before this child is even grown up, When this child knows good and evil, which is already at a very young age, a toddler knows what's right and wrong. That's why when they do something bad, they they scurry away. Even before this child is grown up, when it's still very young, at the time when it knows good and evil, it will be eating curds and honey. Let's say butter and honey. Now, what's so significant about that Why do we need to know the diet of this kid? Because, brothers and sisters, butter and honey are not the food of deprivation. That's the food of prosperity. Ahaz was at the water supply of Jerusalem checking the infrastructure of the city because he was afraid of being besieged by Syria and Ephraim and The residents of Jerusalem being starved to death. But Isaiah said to him, look, before this child is even grown up, while it's still a toddler, it's going to be living in prosperity. In other words, Syria and Ephraim will be off the scene. And I imagine Ahaz standing there at the infrastructure of the city inspecting things. Just like the people in Ukraine today. Are worried about their infrastructure. The Russians are at it again. They bomb the infrastructure, millions of people without electricity. The water supply system is endangered. The Russians want to starve them to death in the dead of winter. Well, Ahaz had the same concerns. And the Lord said, Don't worry. They will be wiped away. However. Assyria was going to plague Judah. Ahaz thought that he could rescue himself. Well the very people that he would reach out to for help. Would be the people who would wreak havoc on Judah. Isaiah says. Judah will be shorn from head to foot. Shaved with a razor. And that's humiliating. Certainly in those days to be shaved with a razor, to walk around bald was a sign of a humiliating defeat. Maybe you know something about World War II. I don't see too many elderly people. I see a few. I have more my church. Some of them remember the day when women who had fraternized with the enemy in the Netherlands were shaved, totally bald, and then forced to march the streets. That was humiliating. Now Isaiah said to Ahaz, Judah is going to be shaved bald. It's going to be a humiliating defeat. These very people that you reach out to for help are going to be the people who cause you a lot of problems. and then consider the fact that we are told exactly where Isaiah told Ahaz these things we are told that it was at the end of the conduit of the upper pool on the highway to the washers field now if you read that and thought about that this morning you might have thought well why do we need to know those directions who cares well Turn ahead to Isaiah chapter 36 and you'll see the commander of the Assyrian army standing at exactly the same spot. Isaiah 36 verse 2. Check it out at home. He was standing at exactly the same spot outside Jerusalem demanding the surrender of Jerusalem, threatening Jerusalem. At the very same spot where Ahaz had rejected the word of the Lord, where he had rejected the promise of God. And so this would be a sign pointing to destruction. But at the same time, it would be a sign pointing to salvation. Because the name of this child would be Emmanuel, God with us. This name, this child will hold out tremendous hope for the faithful among God's people, for the remnant, for those who grabbed a hold of the hands of God and received His promise of salvation, of rescue, in faith. This young woman would be a woman who had remembered the Lord's promise that he had made throughout the ages, that he would be with his people in those bleak circumstances, in those dark days. This young woman, this virgin, held on to the promise of God. She would name her child Emmanuel, God with us. Isn't this the promise that the Lord had made? Throughout the ages, when Isaac had to go to another land because of famine, the Lord said, I will be with you. When Jacob had to go to Haran because his brother Esau was after him, the Lord said, I am with you. When Moses was giving his parting words to the people of Israel before they entered the land of Canaan, He said to them, the Lord your God is with you. There are so many more references like that in the Old Testament. It's the age old promise. God is with his people. But his people have to embrace him in faith. Then God will go with us. This young woman embraced that promise. And she held on to God in those dark days. It was her profession of faith as it were, when she named that child Emmanuel, And it underlined God's promise about rescue from Syria and Israel. And when the Assyrians came up against Jerusalem, it would be a reminder for the faithful that God was with them even in those dark days. And for us today, brothers and sisters, it holds out that same comfort. There's always hope for God's people, even in the darkest days. And these were very dark days for Judah, very bleak days. The people who dwelt in darkness, as Isaiah says somewhere else, Well, today, too, God's children sometimes have to go through deep and dark valleys as we deal with the reality of death, sickness, all kinds of other troubles and challenges in life. God is with us. Perhaps you know someone who is going through the valley of the shadow of death at this time or who has been told the devastating news, you have cancer and you'll never be cured. I have members like that. When you go through that deep and dark valley, the Lord says to you, I am with you. Always. Because of the Emmanuel. And in the birth of Jesus Christ, we find the ultimate fulfillment of these words of our text. And in the case of Jesus Christ's birth, yes, it was a miraculous birth. The Virgin Mary gave birth to a child as a virgin. No man was involved. In fact, this had been explained beforehand. The angel had come to Mary and had said, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And Joseph had been told in a dream by an angel, don't put her away like you're planning to do. No other man was involved with this. That which is in her is of the Holy Spirit. And it's within that context of the angel explaining that to Matthew, Joseph in Matthew that we read these words of Isaiah 7 verse 14 quoted. So here is the ultimate fulfillment of this promise made long ago in the days of Isaiah. And that's how it often is in the Bible as far as prophecy is concerned. There are different layers. One layer of meaning was what was happening in the days of Ahaz. Something would happen in his day. That was meaningful for him as a message from God. But the deeper meaning was what would happen in the case of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Matthew makes that abundantly clear. It's unambiguous. This was a miraculous birth. No man was involved and Mary gave birth as a virgin. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and call his name Emmanuel. Jesus Christ is the Emmanuel, God with us. And now we're not just talking in the sense of what God was saying in the days of Ahaz God is with you. We're talking about something much deeper. God had come in the flesh to be with his people. This is what John writes in his opening chapter, verse 14. And the word became flesh. And dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. Glory as the only son from the father. And this is what the apostle Paul writes about. In Colossians chapter 2 verse 9. Where he says in him in Christ. The whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. God with us. And in Jesus Christ there's hope for time and eternity because the angel told Joseph in that dream you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins he will save his people from their sins that's our deepest need that's our deepest salvation In the days of Ahaz, it was about deliverance from Syria and Ephraim. But what we have in Jesus Christ, the Emmanuel, is about far more than that. It's about salvation from sin and the devil and death and every other enemy in this life. Because Jesus Christ came into the world as our Savior. To set us free from all enemies. And that's our comfort. That's our hope. That's our peace. That's our joy at Christmas time. Because even though we may have to go through dark valleys, even the valley of the shadow of death, we may say with the psalmist, I will fear no evil for your rod and your staff are with me in the Emmanuel because the Son of God came as our Savior and he broke the hold of sin and death and Satan and set us free. We have an eternal future in Jesus Christ our Savior. There's our comfort in the hour of sickness and death and every other adversity in life. But now I come back to the beginning. Because just as Ahaz had to embrace the words of God in faith or he would not experience that deliverance, and he didn't, then we also must receive the words of God in faith. This is what the Bible teaches. That's why it's two-sided. You either believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior or you don't. And if you don't believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior, you don't get salvation, but you get God's punishment, and that's about destruction. That's not an easy message to bring, not a pleasant message, but the Bible says that. And otherwise, what is the meaning of Christmas? There's only one way to be saved, and that is through Christ's redeeming work on the cross. And you need to embrace that in faith. John 3, verse 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. You need to believe. Ahaz didn't believe. He thought it was all a bunch of baloney. And there are many people like that today, too. Sometimes even covenant children. They say, oh, that's baloney. Now I want you to notice a small difference in the way Matthew quotes our text. The text is, Isaiah 7, verse 14. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Matthew quotes it like this Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. They? Who is they? Well, I guess Joseph and Mary, for sure. But it's broader than that, brothers and sisters. It's a reference to the people who embrace Jesus Christ in faith, who see Jesus Christ as the Emmanuel, their Savior. They shall call him Emmanuel. It's the language of embrace in faith. And the big question that comes to each one of us at this time of year as we focus on this text and the coming of the Son of God as our Emmanuel, the big question is, are you among the they do you also say it jesus is the emmanuel god with us my savior that's the big question and when we embrace jesus christ as the emmanuel god with us then we have hope in a dark world then no matter what befalls us as difficult as it is we have hope we're never alone because we have God and his promises through Jesus Christ our Savior sin and death and all the strife of mortal life do not have us in their grip and do not have the last word even when we go through that dark and deep valley of death And the Bible calls death the last enemy. It's an enemy. When we go through that deep and dark valley of death, it doesn't hold us. Because Jesus Christ has triumphed. He has defeated that enemy. On the cross of Calvary, we have hope in all the circumstances of life. Eternal hope. And one day the full salvation of God will be revealed to us. Today already the believer has eternal life but it hasn't been fully manifested to us and we don't experience it fully but we have it. And that's why we may confess that for the Christian even death has been defeated and death is entrance into eternal life. As we travel on in the journey of life With Jesus Christ, the Emmanuel, we may remember one of the last words our Savior spoke before he left this earth. In Matthew 28, verse 20, he said, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen.